So we are in a series called Origin Stories, and uh, I'll just start talking while we pass things around. Um, the, the point of this whole summer, okay, so you're like, I don't even remember what Joel and I will, I don't, I don't even remember what they talked about. Okay, cool, totally fine. This is the point. The point of Origin Stories is that you, turn to your neighbor and say you, you. that you would get to know and understand your origin story of faith in your life. So, you might say, how are we doing that? That sounds like a long thing that I have to figure out. Uh, this is what we've said over and over again, so uh, I just want to repeat it. Really, at the end of this series, we want you to identify three words. Three words. Everyone hold up three. Three words. For life, before you accepted Christ, before you started following him, before you owned your faith, before you owned your faith. Um, and then, what are three words that mark your life? after you accepted Christ, once you put Christ first and you became second and you owned your faith. And for some of you, um, so hopefully there's a contrast, right? So like life was all about me and it was selfish and self-centered and uh, maybe your words are, I was confused and I had no community and maybe those are your words. And then after, maybe you're going to say, I had community, I was known. And you might say those things. Hopefully there's a contrast, but you also might be in here and you might say, you know, I'm not a Christian. Or maybe you would say, you know, I, I believe in God, but God hasn't really changed or impacted my life, and I don't really see a difference between before and after. Um, and that is really a cool place to be. The point of this exercise is that you would recognize, you know what, there isn't a difference, or I haven't accepted Christ. And really, uh, if you look at any hero stories, um, and you can see this, there's always a villain, and there's always a sage. There's always someone who comes along on, on, on the side and helps and mentors the hero. Um, your mentors... The people who are really going to help you is your, your counselors, um, and they want to help you uncover your origin story. And so if you watch any superhero movies, you're like, oh, he has a problem, he has a conflict. And then you just wait. There's going to be a sage. There's going to be a wise person that comes along with information or tools that they didn't have before. Um, and really, that's what your counselors are going to be in helping you with this. So anyone need a paper or pen? Raise your hand if you need that. Wow. Great job, Will and Naya. Passing it around. That was great. Yeah, give it up for them. They're great. Um, uh, so that's what we're doing. Um, so next Sunday... We're going to carve out some time for you, for you to hopefully begin to finalize your own origin story. Yeah, um, and uh, so you can actually have those. The goal is that you'd have six words, and you could share your testimony. You could share your story. So everyone says, what are you about? What have you been through? What's going on? Why are you going to church? And you'd have six words. Then in 45 seconds, you could share it to anyone. And then the point is that maybe I said one of my first words is I was stressed. And then someone could ask me a follow-up question. Well, why were you stressed? What was going on? And then you could answer um, and, and the point is that you wouldn't just barf on people, this is why Jesus is awesome, but that you would say a word of, of what, how your life has changed, and then they could ask you a question that's follow-up. Cool? We tracking with this? We kind of get, cool, you've heard this a lot, great. So today we are in um, one of our, our last sermons on origin stories, and I love superhero movies a lot. Um, and I, actually I did a poll on Instagram last night about like, what I knew more about the Bible or um, superhero movies. And currently, oh, oh, God, so much better. 55% say I know the, uh, the, uh, the Avengers more than I know the Bible. 45% say I know the Bible more than the Avengers. That's pretty close. Last night it was like 80%. He knows the Avengers and he knows 10% about the Bible. That doesn't even make sense. That's not even 100. Um, there's also less to know about the Avengers and superheroes in the Bible. But anyways, I'm not offended by my poll that I created. Um, so uh, here's the thing. I love, I love, I love those movies. I love origin stories movies. They're cool. You got Captain Marvel, origin stories movies. Like, I think Black Panther, you'd qualify as like an origin story. I love those, but let's be honest. 
we are all waiting for like four years, where every four years there's a team-up movie, where like all the superheroes come together. And sometimes we have to wait through like the first Thor, and we're like, okay, we get it. And we have to wait through those origin stories until we get to the Avengers. Um, so today we're going to be talking about how we need to go from me to we. A good origin story moves from me to we. Okay, we're always moving towards togetherness, towards a team-up movie. You got, you got your little cool testimony and story, and that's awesome. But that story needs to get plugged into a greater story that has to do with all of us. That's we. Um, and that's when you make all the box office money, and that's when you... Avengers almost beat Avatar, if anyone was watching that. I went to see it like four times to try to help it out. Didn't help much. They're still down like 15 million. If you guys want to go, I was like, Robert Downey Jr., he should just like donate the rest of that money, and we could make up for it, and then... I don't know. I'm too much involved with this. Okay. Um, so... Yeah, um, so we're all waiting for this, 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 this superhero team-up movie. Um, so in your life, this is kind of a question I was thinking about last night. Is your goal a better me, a better you, or a better us? Is your goal a better me or a better we? Um, these superheroes might have had reasons not to join the Avengers, not to team up. You look up on the screen, you had Black Widow. She had a crazy past. I, I was going to show a clip last week, uh, but I didn't because it was like, shoot. That is intense, what she went through. The abuse, the craziness, she had to go through this like indoctrination. She had to shoot somebody. Um, and it, it was just wild if you go back and, and see her crazy memories. So she had all the reasons to say, you know what? The Avengers, community, friends, no. Dude, people suck, and I've tried it, and I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm not going to be tricked again. She could have said, I'm hurt. Um, Iron Man, he's all about himself. He's like, dude, why would I, why would I need a team? I can... Just create like a thousand other Iron Man and like who needs anybody else? The Hulk, I feel used. Like um, Black Widow, if you, if you care, she goes and hunts down the Hulk um, and says, you need to be a part of this. And he like, he feels like he's being used because he doesn't want to just like always be the guy that just gets, you know, crazy and, and, and destroys everybody. He feels like he's just like this object that people are using and people don't want Bruce Banner for Bruce Banner. Anyway, he has that um, Hulk. This isn't even my planet, dude. I don't even care about Earth. He could have just not cared. Hawkeye, I'm not talented enough, right? <laughs> what, what, he has like arrows. Um, he, no, seriously, but we do this with community. We say, you know what, I don't want to be a part of this community. I've been hurt by other communities. I'm not talented enough. Uh, there's nothing special about me. You know, people who lead worship, they're special, but like everybody else, they're not. We say these things about ourselves. Like Trinity, the size group, eh, it's not really my thing. I have other communities, so I don't really need to put ownership into here. Um, there's always a reason um, that we might feel like the, uh, that, we, that we won't want to a community. Um, but we need to change this. And the first thing we need to do is we need to change our thinking. We need to think differently about community. We need to think differently about community. And scripture helps us do that. In Genesis 2.18, um, this is after God has created. Uh, he's created everything. And, and there's this refrain. And it was good. And it was good. And it was good. Do you guys know the first thing that God says isn't good? What is it? Does anyone know? Yeah. Yeah, he calls out the fruit, the fruit, the, uh, yeah, totally. But what does he say is, is not good? We can put it up. It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. It's not good. So Adam is in the garden. It's just him. And God's like, mm, snakes, they're not a good partner for you. Cats, not a good partner for you. Whales, nope. You're alone, and there's no partner suitable for you. It's not good for you to be alone. This doesn't mean that you have to get married. That's not what this verse is about. This verse is about you need community. It's not good for us to be in isolation. You were not created to sit in your basement and play video games and be on Netflix. 
That is not what you were created and wired for. Literally, biologically, with like serotonin and, and like dopamine, all these things, like we release chemicals when we're together because we are biologically wired for community. We need community. So God says it's not for good, good for man to be alone. So what does he do? He creates the woman. Right. Um, we were created for we, not me. Um, so we need to change our way of thinking. If we have a bad way of thinking about community, and if we have a bad way of thinking about others, then um, we treat people as obstacles or objects. You can put that up. Obstacles or objects. Okay, so someone else is an obstacle. So them achieving success, that's a threat to my success. Them getting more likes than I do, because there's a scarcity of likes. Like, if they're more popular than I am, that, I feel threatened by that. Them being more funny than me, I feel threatened by that. I see people as obstacles for me, for, for me to get what I want. Or I see people as objects. You're a vending machine. We treat people like vending machines. So, right, you, I want you to give me what I want, make me feel good, touch me, whatever. I mean, in relationships, we do that, and we want people to give us things. Um, and Doug was talking about this, uh, our senior pastor, and he was saying that a lot of us have parents, and they're not, we've heard of helicopter parents, right? But they're, 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 they're a new breed of parents, and they're called snowplow parents. Um, and a snowplow parent, what, what Doug was describing, so I'm saying Doug, so you won't go tell your parents, and they'll write an email to me, and, you know. <laughs> Joel said that you guys are snowplow parents. No, Doug said it. Joel quoted him. Um, <laughs> Got to protect yourself. Um, so snowplow parents. Basically, what, what happens is a snowplow parent, if you know a snowplow, gets rid of everything in its path. Snowplow parents, they see obstacles in their child's path, and they say, no, because I love you, I don't want you to experience pain and difficulty. So they snowplow away all the difficult relationships, all the difficult things. But what do we know about difficulty? It makes you stronger. What doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. We know that hard things lead to our growth. So I see parents all the time. Well, this person doesn't want to go to Trinity. They don't want to go to church. They don't want to go to high school group because there's, the, there's a kid there that, that, that makes them upset. Or, or they don't want to go to their small group because they don't like a person in their small group. And I get parents who tell me this all the time. And, and often what I say is, you know what? If they bail and if they leave, when things get difficult, you now have a pattern in your life where when anything gets hard and when any relationship gets difficult, you'll leave. So if you bail on this community when it gets hard, you're going to have a pattern in your life that when you're at your work or when you're in your marriage or with your family, you're going to bail when things get difficult because that's been imprinted upon you sociologically. And so they bulldoze those things that actually God wanted to use for growth. So when things are hard, that doesn't mean that you should bail and leave that might mean God wants to use it to build your character. Cool? Um, so we have parents that snowplow. Um, but we have parents that snowplow because we are people that snowplow. We plow and get rid of anything that's difficult and hard. Um, so don't just blame your parents and don't tell them so they write an email to me. All right. Um, yeah. But if you're always leaving communities and relationships when things get hard, um, then that's probably not Jesus' plan for you. Um, Okay, so if you have your Bible, you want to look at uh, Galatians 3. We'll have it on the screen. Um, so the Bible tells us about community, and it says, In Christ Jesus, you are children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. Um, I just want to make a distinction here. Are all people God's children? Are all people made in the image of God? Are all people God's children? What does it say? 
In Christ, you are all children. So is everybody in Christ? Has everyone accepted Christ? No. No. Does everyone know about Christ? No. Okay, so okay, we got to th- see a difference here. Christians believe that all people are made in God's image. All people. So that's why when you look at civil rights movements, when you look at Martin Luther King, when you look at, um, even when you look at like issues like abortion, when you look at issues like women's rights, all of those things, they're going to find, Christians who are going to argue for those things, are going to find the root of the reason they're arguing in Scripture. The reason why Nathan like, works with a company that tries to end human um, trafficking, sex trafficking, is because they believe that people have intrinsic value and they're made in the image of God. If you don't believe that, then there's no reason why people matter. They're just stardust in motion. They're just a head of lettuce. It doesn't matter. So I'm not saying, I'm not telling you how to, you're not, you don't vote. So I'm not telling you like how, we've, we've politicized a lot of these things. But here's what I say, if you don't struggle over issues of racism, if you don't struggle over issues of abortion, if you don't struggle over the, like, the rights of women, the rights of the oppressed, if you don't struggle over these things, if they don't keep you up at night a little bit, then you might be out of the heartbeat. You might be out of the beat with the heartbeat of, of God. I'm just, we, we should see all people as being made in God's image. Again, it's not telling you how to, how to vote or how to do anything, but it's telling you we need to struggle because we should care for people because it's a biblical thing to care for them, because they're made in the image of God. But they're not all children of God. When you get to heaven, you're not going to take this like AP test. Right? You're not going to take a test that's going to say, do you believe in God? Yes, check. Because um, like demons also believe in God, if you knew that. Um, and most of humans in human history believed in God. We're not just a believing God people. We're a, we're a trusting in Christ type of people. But you're not going to get to heaven. It's not going to be like, check mark, check mark. I believe, uh, I, I believe what Trinity believed about those things. Cool. You know, and you're not just going to go through a test. Um, you're not going to go through an intellectual test. You're going to go through a blood test when you get to heaven. And they're going to check your blood. This is a metaphor, by the way. It's kind of creepy if it was real. Um, they're going to check your blood, and they're going to say, is the blood of Christ in you? Are you a child of God? Not a grandchild of God. Not, oh, my parents believe in God. Are you a child of God? They're going to check your blood, and they're going to see, is, is Christ's DNA flowing through you? Do you have his blood? That's how we know if, you, if you're going to be um, with me. Um, so are you his children? So there are people in this room that you're not, you're not a child of God. You're made in God's but you haven't, um, you haven't accepted that free gift, that free gift of being his child. Uh, maybe you've never heard that. And you've never heard that's an option, or you just maybe you've rejected it, or you've said, I'll wait till later. Don't wait. The leaders, we would love to pray over you today. We'd love for you to make that decision today to follow Jesus and become his child. Um, okay, sorry, I'm getting off on that. Um, Galatians 3, 26 to 27. Let's listen to this. Neither is, uh, neither is there Jew nor Gentile, this is Paul talking, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. This is wild, okay? Jew nor Gentile. The Gentiles were half-breeds, and they were hated by Jewish people. Okay, they were, a lot of them thought they were just like super ugly. They had been left behind when God's people had been taken into exile, and they had intermarried with pagans, and they were seen as like, just like Harry Potter mudbloods, right? They're Gentiles, but what Paul is saying here is... In Christ, there is no, you're more valuable because you're this race, and you're less valuable because you're this race. In Christ, you're equals. This is wild things that is being said. People would have been ticked when they heard this. Neither slave nor free, in a time where slavery um, was so acceptable, 
He's saying that, no, no, slaves have equal value to their masters. Nor is there male and female. Was that saying there's no such thing as male and female? No. In Genesis, we see that God has created male and female. What this is saying is, this is crazy, in a time where, women, listen to me, in this time, you were treated as property. And if you had value, it would have been wrapped up in the male's value. It would have wrapped up in you belonging to him. In a time where females had little value, Paul, who's basically taking what Jesus did, is elevating the status of women and saying, you are equal to men, equal in Christ. This is what he has done. So Jesus, he's bulldozing the cultural stereotypes. He's bulldozing those assumptions, and he's saying, you are one in Christ. Um, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs to the promise. Heirs to the promise, God's promise to Abraham that there would be a nation, um, that all nations would be blessed through. Um, and so if there are certain, if you're in here and you have a prejudice against women, or if you're always like, all dudes are like this, they all suck. If you do that, you're out of the heartbeat with the heartbeat of God. You're out of rhythm with that. Um, if, you, if there are people in your life that you look down on them because they're different, or you ignore them because they look different or talk different, if that's you, you're out of step with the walk of God. You're missing it. Um, I love it. In Christ, there is no, I went to church on Sunday for the first time, and I grew up in church. There's no freshman and senior in Christ. There's no sophomore and junior. There's no popular or social outcast. All are one in Christ. People are not objects or obstacles. They are opportunities to show love. Um, all right, so we need to think differently. Do you see how this is totally different, how this would change how we think about others? Even, yeah. Let, 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 let's keep going. The second thing that we need to do um, is we need to start living differently. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 14. Paul uses this cool, cool imagery. Uh, Sean, can you come stand here? Thank you. Just as a body, though one, has many parts. Here, put out your hands. Look at Sean. Look, look at, this is crazy. These muscles right here. He could fight you, and he won't because of Jesus. Okay. Um, for we are all baptized uh, one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we're all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Okay, so if we went and if we chopped off right now, uh, Will, do you have that uh, thing for the object? The knife? Nope, okay. Um, <laughs> if we were to chop off Sean's arm, and it were to just do, do, do over there. Um, bad news for Sean's arm. Um, also, bad news for Sean, right? Um, so, Paul is saying we are the body of Christ, all of us. So if we devalue part of the body, if we gossip about part of the body, if we trash part of the body of Christ, first of all, you have set yourself in opposition to which what Christ died for. Like if, oh my gosh, like if you started like trashing Vicky and like, oh, she's not that pretty, you know, why did, why did you, if you start saying things about my bride, I've never been in a physical altercation, yes. except for the ravioli that was last week. Um, but today... If you weren't here, go listen to the podcast. Uh, I have never been in a fight, but if you start to trash her, something's going to happen. We don't even know. <laughs> it's going to happen. Um, no. Do you, a lot of us, we trash the church. We, we talk bad about people here, and we're, we're putting ourselves in opposition to that which Christ died for, his bride. And do you think that Jesus is just going to sit there and be like, oh, it doesn't matter? Okay, Sonny, you can stand up now. Sorry, I went on a rant. Um, so, and then, um, yeah, so that part of the body's gone. Also, the whole part of, of Sean, like, 
That stinks for you. Can you walk around for a little bit? Just like, <laughs> Sean. Here's the cool thing about Sean. When Sean walks, not just one part of the body, are you, are you leaving? You can come back. Not just one part of the body moves, but the whole body moves in motion. It's cool. Because Sean had a bigger mission, which was to go to the door. All of us have different, you can sit down now, get up for Sean. Um, we, have, we have different personalities, we have different temperaments, we have different gifts. But we, God says what he wants to use all of us. You're from different countries. You know different languages. God wants to use all of us to move towards the mission that he designed us for. Okay, cool. So we're just going to get into some um, applications here. Um, and then we're going to talk about this in small groups. Um, if you are someone who devalues part of the body of Christ, I was talking to a student this week. I led worship at Forest Home. I was talking to a student up there, and they were saying that they were nervous to invite someone to church because of kind of how she had shared um, and invented about how some of the people at church had been jerks. And she was saying that's kind of might keep me from inviting this person who I vented to. I don't know if they're going to feel comfortable, if they're going to feel welcome, if they're going to be open to it because I've kind of trashed that community. And like when she said that, I was like, wow. First of all, that's so bold to recognize that. Like, I complain about church. I do that. There are moments this week where I'm... So if you're someone who does that, who gossips about people in this room, it's interesting, like, that could actually keep people from joining into the body of Christ. So if you're someone who, who devalues that, um, shut that down. Um, shut it down. Um, so and I want to encourage you, if you're someone who you only hang out with your friends, you come to church with your friends and you leave church with your friends, when you go to worship night tonight... There's old people there. Go talk to them. There's kids there. Go talk to them. Hang out. Go Volunteer for VBS. Why? Because we're a body of Christ, and we need to value other parts of the body, and that's what you're doing when you care for children. Um, when you come to high school group, you know what I do most of the time in high school group? I stand, and I watch, and I tell different people to go talk to people. And it, it gets me when someone sits on the side or when a group just clicks together and never expands their vision of community. Um, I want us to be uncomfortable when people are uncomfortable. I want us to get uncomfortable if we go to church and we only talk to the people that we like. That's not church. That's a click. And God has a more expansive vision for community. And it's better. And it's diverse. And it's beautiful. People are different because they reflect God's uh, diversity. Um, and there's just verse ends like this, there should be no division in the body, but all its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers. Do you have equal concern for every part of the body? We're all responsible for all of each other. This week, is there someone in this room who is hurting that you need to go care for and share that burden with and pray for? If one part of the body suffers, every part. If one part is honored, every part rejoices. That means if someone's trashing somebody else or someone's gossiping about somebody else, that's your body. Just like if your hand was chopped off, you would probably be a little offended when the knife came close, right? We've got to defend each other. We've got to fight for each other. We've got to love each other. Um, this, is, this is the vision for what that looks like. Um, the threat is too great. The mission too crucial. His grace too welcoming to have our differences divide us. Um, I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to go into some small groups. Jesus, thank you that you have made it possible that we could be one. We're different. That doesn't mean we always get along. God, I pray that you would just uh, convict us of the people that we need to apologize to. 
Holy Spirit, would you kind of shake us and show us the people that we should talk to? Make us uncomfortable when other people are hurting so that we would go and care for them. Make us uncomfortable when other people feel left out so that we could see them. God, we want to see with your eyes. We want our heart to beat with your heart. Thank you for this vision because it's good news. Because when we were on the outside, when we had no family, when we had no name, you bought us and brought us in and gave us a new family. And that family's blood is thicker than the blood that's thicker than water. And it's the blood of Jesus. So we thank you for that. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, team. So uh, we're going to be heading to small groups for 15 minutes. You can follow your small group leader.